0: Hey guys, welcome to the new episode of the Andy Social Podcast And once you're done here, make sure to head over to Goat King Writers Club Where we never let grammar get in the way of a good story Good yarn Yarn, story, yeah. fuck does matter, does it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it does when we're doing the promo for it Oh well, that's what they're getting <laughs> uh, Also come and check us out on uh, YouTube for full video
1: versions Enjoy you- the show Hey, it's another episode of the Andy Social Podcast. And before we kick into the episode itself, of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling is the best way to support this podcast and supports us from only a buck a month. Dirt cheap. Set and forget, you won't even notice it. And there are additional tiers if you want access to the exclusive Patreon podcast episode and a bunch of other free shit. Heaps of merch, heaps of goodies, heaps of great stuff over at Patreon. And of course, a massive thank you, a shout out to my social circle tiers, my my top tier supporters over at Patreon. These guys get a shout out. So, thank you very much in particular to Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from Deniliquin, Dan from Dapto, Rod from Rayleigh in North Carolina, Patrick from Canberra, Liam from Brisbane, Chris from Sydney, Brendo from Leeton, Tim from Canberra, James from Brisbane, Christian from Canberra, Steve from the Gold Coast, and Andrew from Sydney. Thank you very much, folks. Much appreciated. Part of the wider community of legends over at Patreon. So, go and check it all out over at slash Andy Dowling. Hey, it's episode 281 of the Andy Social Podcast, and my guest on this episode is a familiar face. No doubt, uh, in more ways than one. First and foremost, of course, it's a return guest of the podcast, episode 200, this uh, amazing person was on. But uh, probably more importantly and more obviously, this is one of the most prolific songwriters of all time. I'll, I'll say that without hesitation. It's Andrew Farris. Andrew Farris, uh, the founding member and key songwriter main songwriter in nxs and more recently and as of right now a solo artist who's released his debut album uh called andrew farris of course and that's available everywhere uh andrew is a place to go to, to get all the links through available in all good music stores and online streaming platforms and all that sort of stuff and of course i'll have links in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydarling.net an amazing chat um now A year ago, when we caught up, we were meant to be talking about this album. It was meant to be coming out in May of last year. And I think we all know, folks, that a few things happened in 2020. So uh, he pushed it back and uh, certainly kept busy in the meantime, which we'll talk about in this chat. And uh, now the album is out for everyone to enjoy. So as I said, everything will be in the show notes. So you can go check it all out. AndrewFarris.com is the place to go. Make sure you reach out to Andrew and say hello and let him know what you think of this chat. Now, uh, a little disclaimer before we kick into this one. We caught up at the Sands Hotel in Narrabeen. Um, uh, this was like two mates catching up in the pub. It was so fun and just for me, once again, like catching up with Andrew again to to have a chat about music and and just life and and the new album was just such a surreal thing and to do it in a pub, having a drink and just, uh, just chilling out. So... This is a total pub vibe. So bearing in mind that a pub is usually quite noisy and there is a bit of noise going on in the background, but I've got my master wizard, T.Y., who's done a bit of editing in the background, um, but you'll hear the, the local wildlife all clanging around the background, but uh, go and grab a drink yourself. Sit down and uh, have a listen to, to two mates having a chat about life and music, and I uh, really hope you enjoy it. So andrewfarris.com and uh, andysocial.net, andydarling.net, and uh, what do I usually say? Enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with Andrew Farris. We meet again. Yeah, how are you, Andy? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm above ground. Yeah, above ground. <laughs> We're know, dry at the moment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And um, no, mate, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm doing great. And I, as you know, I've got an album out that came out last Friday. Yeah, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Pretty happy about that. And I'm getting a really good reaction to it um and hopefully as restrictions are easing a bit Mm. you know um especially here in Australia I'm taking an awesome band of musicians out with me country players mostly yeah and we're off on our wild west tour I love
1: it I love it it must uh it must be good after the past 12 or so months to I mean I know you've sort of done little things here and there just to try and keep things afloat but To to be on the verge of embarking on a a run of shows would be pretty pretty good.
0: Oh yeah, I feel really fortunate because I think it's been a really tough time for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, and including the musical industry as well. um, You know, because the the very the two words social distancing Mm -hmm. are kind of like a nightmare because the whole idea of entertainment is to have as little distance as possible socially. You know, Um, and so yeah, it's like a you know it's been really tough for a lot, of, a lot of musicians and people who would normally be out doing yeah doing that but um that's right when we were last talking I was embarking on releasing my album but I'll just go forward a little bit in time but yeah. backwards at the same time so I was walking around when I realised my album wasn't going to be coming out yeah. and I realised I had other recordings that I'd, that I'd made mm. um, and on the farm where I live, which is a cattle and grains when it rains property in northwest New South Wales, I realised that I had these other songs and um, I was happy with the songs, they just didn't suit my album. So I went to the label and I said, look, I like these other songs. Um, why don't we put another product out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how the EP was born. Well, we also went in October of last year, 2020, to Studios uh, studio show, one there in Sydney... And we tracked uh, a live set you know, in the studio because the best thing I could think of was to get yeah. my music out to people and give them an idea of what I'm going to be doing live.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, yeah, so we cut it. I don't know how many songs it was now, eight, seven or eight songs or something um, that we cut for the what I call the EP set at 301. And the LP set is in post-production as we finish. And I'm talking visual post-production. Yeah. The filming guys are trying to you know make sure they've got the best camera angles and that and all that sort of stuff uh that's out of my pay grade I don't know what they all do but anyway so and then they're they're basically doing that and then that that'll come out soon too so it'll be a total of like 16
1: tracks that
0: we, we cut live you know, to, to for people to watch to see what what they're going to see when they come see me. Or and so, us. did
1: you record that the sixteen tracks in the same places you did the EP as well? Yeah, same yeah. Same, same day. Same we, set up. Just, oh, we just perfect. changed
0: outfits, I think, very clothing smart, or whatever. Very smart. <laughs> yeah, although I got to tell you, you know, towards the end of the of doing those sixteen or seventeen songs, and you know, some of them we cut, we recut. If we weren't entirely yeah. happy with the recording. So we did a lot of work that day. Yeah, that would be And a we were all fried, I think, at the end of it. But it <laughs> turned out really good. I think the other uh, musicians who you yeah. know were, were performing with me that day were quite surprised how it came out. Yeah. They were like, this is, this is pretty good. And I said, yeah, I know, it's coming out much better than I thought, too. It's
1: very slick. It's really, really slick. Yeah, it's sleek.
0: pretty slick, isn't it?
1: And and when I, the first thing I thought of when I started watching it was, oh man, like, you, this is not like just a roar in the studio we're just gonna jam it out it's just everyone's at the top of their game yeah. it sounds beautiful and you've you've clearly invested in it so mm. it's not just a case of chucking a couple cameras on just record it and get something out you've put a lot of time into it because straight away i'm listening to everybody playing thinking i'm getting i'm getting a little bit sweaty watching it myself as a musician going oh man i couldn't meet up uh, with this level of uh talent that these guys are putting out there, including yourself. So it's um it's a it's a well crafted product. So it's good to know that the album's been done the same way as well. And thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah no, no you know that I'll have to say I draw a lot of experience too from yep. from especially from the work that I used to do within Excess, we mm. would always try to do try to outdo everything we'd done before. Yeah. And, and I don't mean I don't mean that in an egotistical sense. I mean more just you learn as you go along that if you do things really cheaply Mm. and you don't invest your time and effort into it properly, that's usually what you end up with. Shit in, shit out. Yeah, pretty well, something (laughs) like that, yeah. But for some people, it's all they can afford and understand that. You know, I get that. You know, that's reality. But I was going to say that I appreciate what you said and yeah, I think it's come up really good and in fact, now I'm nervous that the LP set's going to (laughs) be as good if not better than the EP set. Now I'm promoting the LP, you know, but... I was really pleased with the EP release because two of the songs that were championed at radio were All the Stars of Mine and Love Makes a World. Well. Well, I think Love Makes a World well is still in the country charts, but yeah. it got to number five, yeah. so I was pretty happy with that. Great. Um, yeah, but I think All the Stars of Mine, a lot of people say, I really like that song, so that has been really interesting. Even though it wasn't necessarily a big chart hit, mm. it's the song that really seems to have captured people's imagination. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but... Um, yeah, with my LP release, I'm quietly excited. I think uh, with so much change in the world with, with the pandemic and COVID and in Australia, it's been so hard to know where we're all going, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, how's your life been?
1: Are you okay? Oh, well, I'm, I'm still here. I'm alive and kicking. So there that's an you go. AP. You're above ground, mate. Well, that's that's a good that's start. It. Yeah. You've got to look at everything glass <laughs> half full, like literally here with me. But um, I think like a lot of musicians you know we all had plans you had very clear plans when we last caught up um and suddenly the way i look at it it's kind of been a blessing in disguise because it's forced a lot of us to have to take stock look at what we've actually got be appreciative of what we've built ourselves and then put a little bit more effort dig in deep because i think a lot of things we took for granted we were i think a lot of bands and artists were cruising we had a good audience, a good community, and we are getting ready to do the next thing, whether it be a tour or a release. Um, and then suddenly it's like, all right, well, those plans are out the window. What else do we do?
0: Well, that's right. Yeah. And it's exactly, um, well, you need to adapt, improvise and overcome. Yeah. And when you're challenged with things, and, and the pandemic's another one, I think, But I think as I'm about to embark on the touring that I'm doing with the band I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good word. I feel fortunate to be able to take out this group of people. And um, I think that where I've had... What was a bit awkward for me was when I first released Come Midnight, and good mama bad mm. people hadn't heard the entire album so they didn't really understand exactly what i was doing yeah, yeah but now people are understanding what i've done is actually uh written songs that are all interleaved they're yep. all part of a concept yeah you know basically of what i call frontiers and we were going to talk a little bit about, bit about this right? right it's like the kind of the, what gave me the um what gave me the inspiration if you like to make why would Andrew Ferris make a solo album? Okay. I could have done this over the years many times over. And I've always been a songwriter. And I've collected, you know, songs over really what's this almost frightening amount of time. Um, both older songs and newer ones that I've written more recently, much more recently. And I'm still writing. I'm writing a song right now. But it was the recordings of these songs as demos, which is rough as we all do. If you're writing something, you know, and you record it oh, I've got to get that idea down, you know. Yeah, yeah. And whether you're doing it by yourself or with other people, and those recordings, um, you know, they're basically, um, I didn't know this bloke could be doing that. You know? <laughs> they don't normally do that. <laughs> no, here. That's I okay. don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but if it drives us nuts, we can go somewhere else, I guess.
1: All right, while we try to find another part of the pub to keep this conversation going, go to andrewfarris.com. Go and check out the new album. It's out right now. It's available through all good music stores across all the streaming platforms. And of course, I'll have everything in the show notes over at net, so you can click through, have a listen, and let Andrew know what you think of the tunes. All right, let's see where we found ourselves in the pub.
0: Okay, well, we're back. We're um, back. <laughs> less the hammer. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um, but I was going to say that uh, I was talking about frontiers, and... Um, Part of my journey started where I was re recording some older and newer songs that I was happy with the songs, I just wasn't happy with the recordings. Yeah. And I didn't want to play them to people because this sounded too rough. Yeah. Like, can't you hear how good this sounds? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you play yeah. it to people and they're like, yeah, it's really Could good. Get beyond. You gotta <laughs> beyond. Um, you know, and with all the technology that exists now yeah. too, you can make some pretty amazing recordings with mm-hmm. very little. Effort in many ways, yeah. you know. Not talking about the songs; I'm talking about actual recordings, you yeah. know. Um, but so I thought, yeah, I'll start re-recording all these songs. Well, first of all, um, I was working at home at my home farm studio in the northwest New South Wales and inland, and then I started working in Nashville because my wife, Marlena is from Dayton in Ohio, which is about uh, five and a half hours drive to Nashville, down Highway seventy-five. Yeah. So I was, I was working and writing with people, girls and guys, in in Nashville. But then I was I started re-recording songs, some newer ones I was writing and some old songs. Well, the nearest singer was me, and I'd been already, already re-recording them at my farm. And then as I realised I was going on, well, I thought, okay, you know, and then especially the Nashville engineers, they weren't really that concerned about, you know, uh, they knew of my... You know, m- my songwriting and, and performing within excess. They knew all about that and some of the other work I've done, but they weren't that worried about that. The country mm. music guys are like, yeah. and so they're like, hey, you know, just keep singing. And I'm like, well, we f- when, I'll, I'll, I'll find someone who really knows what they're doing as a singer and I'll get them put on these songs later on. Yeah, they're like, well, there's yeah. nothing wrong with your voice, just keep singing. Yeah. So I'm like, well, okay, you know, and uh, it's good to have that input. But the next thing that happened was, um, I took a horse riding trip. Uh, it was supposed to be a holiday that my wife and I were going on. Yeah. So we went down to the Mexican border. Yeah. Right along where they call the Chiricahua Mountains are. Yeah. And um, whether you've got the Mexican people across the border, you got Arizona, you've got New Mexico. And in that right here was where we were actually riding around on these horses. And we did that for six hours a day, six days straight. We took a sort of little break in between. Yeah. And then... Um, But it was really interesting because at first I sort of thought, oh, you know, um, this is going to be like a little pony ride. And, you know, but then it's not what it turned into. It turned into a a wilderness area. Yeah. with a whole lot of historical stuff I'd never seen before. I didn't understand. And then I sort of recognised I was having an experience, you know. And you had the Apache Indians. You had the U.S. Cavalry. You had abandoned U.S. Cavalry forts. You had the Mexican people across the border and back then the Mexican army in the old days. So you had, the, obviously, the Apache Indians with um, Drama, I know where he surrendered. And he's very, very sad, tumultuous history of this area where Cochise's stronghold was. Yeah. And up the road, you had Tombstone. You had the cowboys. You had the settlers, the outlaws. All the stuff was going on. And I actually rode through one uh, canyon I think a Skeleton Canyon and there was like stagecoach routes still yeah. in the ground. Well, you could tell there's no four-wheel drivers going nothing. through, the nothing. It's just, they were still there. Mm, and yeah, stuff like you could yeah. actually see lead bullets on the ground, 50, so 50 cal bullets and things. You know, okay. wait, hang on a minute. This is not a Hollywood film. Actually, like, it's physical, you see yeah. what I yeah. mean? It's yeah. actually tangible. Yeah, right? yeah. Old abandoned silver mines or whatever I saw there. And the songwriter part of me, I went back, you know, at night um, feeling my body or our bodies were aching because the four of us that were riding around, my wife Marley and Craig Lawson, the cowboy bloke that took us out there, and his wife Tam. And I recognised as I was having an adventure, not just a holiday. Mm. But the songwriter part of me kicked in and when we got back to Nashville and I got in the room with everybody, I recognised that, you know, every genre of music, doesn't matter what you're in, likes to have chart hits. Yeah. You know, and it's all about, you know, competitive... People and everyone's got a stake in the game or whatever. And I thought, you know, when I got back, I felt a little bit confused because I thought what I've seen has actually affected me you yeah, know, emotionally yeah. as well. And yeah. I, I suddenly recognised, yeah. you know, it's not a Hollywood film. This was all real, and these people were all real, and this is pre-electricity, a lot of it. And I uh, began to question things. You know, like right now, we're talking to each other through technology. Yeah. You know, it's almost like t- technology is the new frontier, isn't it? And so. You know, you can you can make all this music, which is incredible for a younger generation. You can make all this music in your bedroom on a laptop, and it can go all around the world. And when you're allowed to, of course, you can get off a plane, and someone actually cares when you get off at the other end because your music's gone all around the world because of technology. So that's a new frontier in itself. And there are other parts of electrical, you know. Uh, frontiers of things and devices or whatever but the thing is that it began to dawn on me that in pre-electricity time it must have been really challenging for those people in every way possible mm. to do a lot of what they did
1: is anything yeah. anything yeah.
0: right and then and there's so much we have today that is just mind-boggling with what you know convenience we have with technology um but with that in one sense We've lost a sense of frontier, and mm. I mean well, by that, what I'm talking about is that that word freedom, if you like, is almost a cliche, because we've mapped out the world, there's satellites running around everybody, uh, we're sitting here talking through technology, there's old technology, there'll be newer technologies in a few years' time, yeah. in fact a week's time, I have no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, two days' time, <laughs> and um, you know, everything, you've, all the junk that you bought a week ago is meaningless.
1: That's right, very disposable now.
0: Yeah. Whereas it seemed to me in pre-electricity times that, you know, you had a horse and you looked after your horse, and you, you know, you 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 know the things you owned were fairly or didn't own, you know, you, you took it all, you know, for what it was, and you made use of it all, and reused things, recycled things, or whatever you needed to do, and I I feel we're trying, we're struggling in society to get back to that thinking with recycling and to to come back that way again, not because. There's any sentimentality in it, or it's cute or whatever, but because we're, it's out of necessity, which is probably where it was exactly where it was before electricity. Hmm. And I wonder what music would sound like today if you pulled the plug out of the wall.
1: Well, in some cases, it'd be nothing.
0: Hello. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. And so the word music, where it actually, there was music before electricity, yeah, that's and there's right. music now. Right? But what I find interesting is what exactly are people being awarded for? Is it, really, it IT or is it music?
1: That's it. Yeah, you need a separation of awards. You know, there's obviously skill in, in the IT aspect of it, you know, in the technology aspect. But, um, mm. you, know, with, you know, hundreds and thousands of years of clanging things together and making melody and making song you know um, sure, that's, manake, that's a separate thing
0: and Yongumata for the Aboriginal people Manake yeah. Yeah. And carrying on of traditional song and lyric and, and a whole philosophy of life and and in ancient cultures it was exactly the same way yeah um, it went on for thousands of years you know mm-hmm. um, it's only in the last hundred years since there's been electricity that we have this other thing going on um, but I, it's not about awards or whatever. I mean, an award is only u- as useful in life as the life you have to hang it on. Absolutely. If yeah. you don't have a very good life, then the award's a bit meaningless, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. You know? Um, and so the way I look at it is it's all relevant. But I think I think there are, are other frontiers now, like the pandemic, that's shown us that, that, you know, that the frontiers are beginning to change where we were all getting, as you said just before, very comfortable with the way things were before the pandemic. Yeah. And, it, and just, like, blindly assuming all of us that it was going to carry on like that forever. You know, and it didn't, did it? It went somewhere else. It, there was a new frontier, you know? That's it.
1: Whether we liked it or not. And we're still you trying know? to work that out. We don't then, e- that's it. We don't even know exactly what that looks like yet. No, that's yeah. right.
0: Yeah. And so we're living that right now. Yeah, see? yeah. And that was the same feeling I had when I recognised what I saw, you know, and also I compared my experience in the old west to australian early culture was the same thing mm, you had mm. you had us you had um europeans bringing classical instruments yeah. in and clashing of cultures with indigenous cultures you know both here and in the united states mm. canada new zealand i'm sure yeah. other countries we were all experiencing exactly the same thing um and then these instruments sort of morphed from being classical into um, folk music and then country music and then being integrated with blues and jazz, you know, early jazz and all this stuff was going on. Um, You know, folk music and, uh, you know, Zydeco and everything else, you know, um, they can think of. Um, But I think in the passage of of time and acceleration by electricity we're forgetting how it all started and i not that you might say well that's not very important well in a sense no it's not because what i what i see happening right now is what people are writing about is urban culture now people just write about what's going on in the next suburb or in their life and why not you know mm-hmm. it, whether it's country music or whether it's pop or, or you know rock's not very fashionable at the moment but pop and country and And other genres are sort of gaining a lot of traction. And and obviously there's hip-hop and EDM and all the rest of it. And I think all these um, genres all have their... And blues, you know, jazz, they all have their specific um, target points. and, and, And I think... But for me, I find what gave me the parameters to actually... Form an album when well, I could have really done it all years ago. I didn't have those parameters. I didn't have the boundaries. What I probably would have done if I'd put out an album a long time ago is I would have chosen, say, ten and twelve songs that I felt were the best songs that I had, hmm. and threw them together, you know. And it would have probably been, you know, a collection of different songs coming from different backgrounds and feels or grooves or whatever. But I'm glad I've done what I've done because I've tried to thread uh, a sense of from um, Uh, like a, not a concept album, but the lyrics all relate to each other in a Funny Wow album. It's a bit of a common theme throughout it. Yeah, that's right. And the idea that that freedom is not a cliche. Mm -hmm. Liberty is not a cliche. These things were fought for and earned the hard way, you know. And all the lessons that we were supposed to have learnt along the way and with the inclusion of technology, you kind of wonder, as we head into these frontiers with technology and all the rest of it, You know, and just like the pandemic's shown us, there's other things waiting for us around the corner, you know, that we don't know yet because of where we're changing everything so quickly all the time. Mm. It's hard to know what's coming around the corner next, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, talking about freedom, I mean, we in a way had that taken away from us and, you know, arguably for our own good in some cases where we all had to try and do the right thing, stay indoors and, and protect ourselves and each other. And suddenly, that lack of freedom is in your face totally and then right. and so as we said before like you everything up until that point you take for granted yeah. and you forget like where we've come from how far we've come and then suddenly just yeah. the world halts yeah that's right and so it's kind of funny like you talking about frontiers and talking about how the albums come together because you were planning this story before I mean we were sitting down talking about this and we didn't know it was coming in the next month or so no and so it's sort of almost added an extra level of or layer of meaning to to what you're releasing.
0: Well, that's very strange. You should and and interesting. You should say that that occurred to me too. I mm. didn't time it like that. Yeah. But it, it's sort of proven in the sense that I was right about yeah. frontiers. You know, is that we this is where we're heading now into new frontiers. The world's changing, and I think the past might give us clues how to handle the future Absolutely. about how people have, have either made made brilliant decisions or really bad ones. That's right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, and, and cuz you got to learn from what you know the good and the bad is going on right you know yeah. otherwise where are you at you know but i think i think um, i think one of the more interesting things about the world trying to work together to get us out of a situation yeah. has some thread of hope for mankind doesn't mm. it for once you know instead of all fighting each other we're actually trying to share information and share some solutions for things that's actually very encouraging you only got one earth don't we you that's know? it
1: that's it and I think people yeah. haven't really thought about that or haven't had to think about it until just recently
0: yeah you know like I've always thought with kind of a sense of humour that you've got a situation where like um You know, you look at the word Star Wars, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then you wonder if aliens would ever come trying to hurt us. Well, why would be the first thing we ever do is take war into space? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Why would you do that?
1: No,
0: no. No wonder they'd want to exterminate you. Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: right, yeah. Hey,
0: Mr Vader, have you heard of Ventolin?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, now, while we try to keep dodging the local punters at the pub and keep this conversation going... Go to andrewfarris.com, go and check out the new album. It's available right now, available through all good music stores, across all the streaming platforms, and, of course, I'll have links in the show notes over at andysocial.net as well. All right, let's dive into part three of this great chat with Andrew Farris.
0: So my journey has really been... um, We were talking about Frontiers, but I'm really sort of... I realised when I I could make an album that might people might like because in the old school way of an album where it actually is a bit thematic mm-hmm. and the songs relate to the same subject they're not the same songs yeah. but they yeah. they're you know it's about the same kind of thing yeah, the whole yeah, album yeah, yeah. and that's where i lost some a lot of well actually quite a lot of people have said to me Andrew we didn't really understand what you were doing with Come Midnight and Good Morning Bear but now we've heard the album we get it and I'm like oh that's good because it, it all relates to itself and I said yeah that's why there's songs on my album called Drifting Run Baby Run yeah. you know yeah. a, you, you should be able to feel free you should be able to keep moving I wonder what life was like before Electricity when you could literally get on a horse and ride off into the distance and if you wanted to, you could change your name, become somebody else, and not everyone has an ID, electronic, print everywhere they go in their life, and they feel free to, to really do whatever they want to do in life. Move to a different country, you know, do whatever they... You know, explore other cultures, you know. And not as a tourist, I mean, like, actually,
1: you know... And so that... Just as a human, just getting out there and interacting with other people, all, all or the environment, the land. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right, and I think even the,
0: even, you know... Even though the 19th century uh-huh. had its, as usual, awful, horrible experiences in many ways, it also was the beginning of where we're at now. Mm. Not the 20th century, but the 19th century, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's quite tumultuous.
1: Yeah, you know. I, in some yeah. in some respects, absolutely. And I think it's quite funny, because obviously it's not intentional, but... the the timing of the album now Mm. and being out now Mm. um, in some ways for people that are listening to it it's probably almost a celebration of where we're about to be because things are starting to relax again Mm. we can start to go out and do normal things people want to get out on the road and go on a road trip or can't quite go overseas just yet but we can at least travel around the country that's right and um because you know I've listened to the album, and so when you're hearing it, it's the, it is that common theme throughout. It's it's getting out in the road. It's it's the it's the freedom. It's the liberty to be able to go and do things. And <laughs> but the strange but it part wasn't, was
0: I did it before the pandemic.
1: Well, that, that's right. That's what makes it quite funny. Spooky. I mean, it worked out well, didn't it? A bit spooky. Yeah. Even. Yeah. You know?
0: Definitely. And I didn't have that in mind. I wasn't yeah. trying to be clever. Yeah. I just was inspired by an earlier generation of people, and and because I live. Uh, out in the bush and I'd also in the last three or four years experienced a severe drought mm, yep. and the communities around the farm my farm was heavily affected it affected my life it affected you know the farm financially and it was just everything was awful for so many people and the people in the little towns were affected and uh, it was really scary to be honest with you um, and, and I think all of these things are uh, on our beautiful coastline around Australia and our beautiful cities we live in, I think it would really benefit Australia to decentralise out of the big cities Mm. and start to move into the interior of our country and stop pussyfooting around, you know, with our country. We need to move inland and we need to sort of grow up a little bit as a country, not Mm. pretend that the only world is on the coast because it really isn't. No, it's
1: definitely not. No. And, and, you know, the the inland the rural areas around the country it's it's another world especially if you've only ever grown up in a metropolitan area in a large city yeah. you you just get out of the out of the outer skirts of sydney and you go oh my god it's it's a different world and i mean i was really lucky because when i grew up by I lived in Cunnamulla, 10 hours west of Brisbane for a couple of years, and then I lived in Emerald, um, central Queensland, Rockhampton, and then came back to Brisbane before moving to Sydney. So in my sort of childhood, I had a little bit of that rural sort of experience and really appreciated it. So whenever I go out um, on a trip or something, it's sort of like a bit of a, it's a weird homecoming in a way because there's a lot of familiar sort of feelings and vibe. And I think when you said before about the drought in sort of your area, no, no doubt you were seeing the community come together. As well, yeah. and sometimes you only get glimpses of community in a larger city because we're so there's so many people. It goes from being close knit to being very far apart. Although we live so close together, so it's That's just true. a very very weird sort of polar opposites um, that you're experiencing sort of in a rural area, but also in a metro area. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well,
0: the most common thing we all have in common, regardless of your pay grade, mm. is food. So the common denominator is all of us go to sources to find you know, yeah. good food and clean water. Yeah. And that is the common denominator. Food is life. You know? So the rest of it really is about modern technology, whether it's vehicles that run off you know, fossil fuels or, or electronic technologies to talk to each other or communicate through those technologies but food is really the common thread you know without good food and water we wouldn't all be here in the first place Mm -hmm. and the same thing will be true if we're all still around 500 years time the only common denominator if we were which sounds I think it would be terrifying to go into the future 500 years and see what life's like but the one common thing is they would still need good food and good water
1: that's it that's it and so a lot of the all the stories that you, that have influenced you and, and in this album and so just from so the outside looking in you know this frontiers living and traveling and getting mm. on horseback and as you said earlier like a very tough life you know mm. this is like nothing is easy everything no. requires effort but it's all for the purpose of trying to to get to somewhere to get food and water to survive and so it's sort of that hierarchy of needs you just need to get that baseline and that's what most people are trying to strive for anything on top of that's a bonus that becomes your own preferences and the things that you like and you don't like but we all need that that baseline and so i guess that's what a lot of the stories of getting out there on the on the open plane and just Mm. just going on these long adventures and with probably no point of returning it's just we're going to go and find something better
0: yeah and our cowboy friends in uh in New Mexico and Arizona, um, they have an expression, and I love it. I think it comes from an old song, but keep your eyes fixed where the trail meets the sky.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I like that because there's a positive sense of, again, like emancipation or freedom in that idea where, you know, we, we, we are so used to you now this era we're living in and being conditioned to think and being controlled a bit by forces and influences and things, that really, some of it's only just, um, how can I put it, some of it's uh, perceptions. Yeah. There aren't physical boundaries, they're just perceptions. Uh, and some of them are, you know, obviously... Um, the other thing that I find really intriguing about the era we're living in with music, particularly, is that, uh, you know, you sort of almost wonder you know where it's heading in one sense because unless it starts to really get refocused again on the grittier subjects and talking about uncomfortable things again that it's gonna it's, it must be losing traction with people Yeah. and they've got either they'd rather play video games or they'd rather do something you know and, and all this sort of thing um I think uh but I, I've, I've lived a fortunate life and I have worked during a time where people cared about what music I was writing and what I was doing and I feel really fortunate, yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: So after we caught up last time and yeah. it, was, it was a couple of months out from the release date, two or three months out, putting the pandemic aside, had you ever experienced anything over the years, whether it be in excess or otherwise, where... You'd been so close to putting an album out and somebody or something has just said, "nut" nah, and just put the brakes on everything. Because I could, I think you told a story last time we caught up about, must have been uh, taking that, what felt like probably a big risk and a big jump with kick and getting close to releasing that and the label just didn't understand it. And they're like, what is this? Go go back. Yeah. But had had you had other experiences where really, I mean, in your head, you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to put this out. But... But everything just stops you, and your plans change. Have you had that before?
0: Um, Well, Kikia is a good example. That was turned out to be a monster of an album, so it was a good thing. It was a good thing in a way that, and. The irony of is the very people who benefited from that the most were the people trying to block it. <laughs> That's right. You know how yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're like, look, what 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 are you doing with all this music? We don't understand this record at all. It doesn't sound like anybody else, and we don't get it. And yet, end up uh, you look in passage of time now, and and the same people say, oh, we really love having this album on our catalog. And you're like, well, why didn't you just say that the first time? <laughs> you know, um, right? Yeah. And it's you know, and but I, I feel maybe that's why my album you know uh, fate you know god delayed my album because it wasn't supposed to come out until people were ready to yeah. see what i'm doing i'm not saying it's going to be really successful i do know you're like if anyone likes it hmm. you know i'm not really saying that i'm just saying that i don't know but it is strange the way yeah you know, but the other experiences i've had like that um i suppose i think about it carefully um Probably, um, I think the strangest thing though is songs that I've written during certain decades. Like "Come Midnight," I actually wrote during writing of Kick. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Marlena, my wife, put it on her phone as a wake-up call, (laughs) and as the demo version of it, not the recording on my album. And that's when I began to go. Well, wake, you know, literally, wake up, dummy. She likes it, okay? So re-record it and get on with it. And then I thought, well, if, if I've got, this, why has that song just been sitting there for so long? Mm. You know, and you know. <laughs> and then I, I look back through a lot of my other work, and it's not so much that my work was delayed. I, I've worked like that my whole life. I've got other things still in the can that I've written that I. They're just not meant to. They weren't meant to, to, to come out at that point. I don't know why I do that. I have no idea.
1: So, okay, so that, that's a good question I was, I was thinking about asking about this because reading through um, sort of the context around each of the songs on the new album, yeah. there's, there's a mixture of stuff that you've recorded for the purpose of this album and yeah. there's stuff that you've put together in various forms over the years, and they're quite old. So when, I mean... You are, and I'm just blowing smoke up you, but you're like a master songwriter. You're somebody that's got the accolades, you've got the experience. You've... Thank you. And it's proof in the pudding. You can see the results of it. But when you're writing all these these songs, and obviously you're writing for, maybe in most cases for the particular album or the project that you're working yeah. on, but some stuff doesn't make the cut for whatever reason. Mm. When it doesn't make the cut, are you sort of intentionally thinking, I'm going to come back to that later? Or yeah. do you just forget about it?
0: No, no, no. Well, I... Sometimes it's a bit of both. Yeah. depends how busy I am. Yeah, yeah. But I, would, I would definitely revisit things later on yeah. because an idea is still an idea. Yeah, yeah. It, whether it was back then or right now, yeah. an idea, new ideas, yeah. you know. Even though that sounds like a funny thing to say, a new idea that's say, 30 years or more old doesn't necessarily have to be old. It's just the way you you approach the idea, because the idea might still be relevant, or life might have changed around you in society or culture or situation where that idea suddenly fits with what the moment in time is, and that's one of the strange things about it. But I think also because I had a lot of lyrics that I was writing um, over the years, not just music. And a lot of people probably may not understand that uh, the way Michael and I wrote together... Yes, Michael wrote most of the lyrics, uh, especially later on, for In Excess and with me, as, but because he didn't play an instrument. Mm-hmm. And so that was his instrument, was yep. his voice, and he's always a great lyricist. I wrote lyrics too, but, you know, that's where... I worked out the the best harmony for he and I was to let him run with his lyric ideas he loved that and he he liked the freedom of doing that Mm -hmm. and I and because he couldn't play an instrument he needed me to help him finish the bits that he wanted to do as I needed him you know with what he did and so that was a simpatico there that worked for us as a uh, you know, I, I read stories and it comes, sometimes horror stories of of people who've written, you know, really big artists who've written together, and the problem I think they had was that their their talent pools were very similar.
1: Yeah, They yeah. were both
0: too similar mm. as writers, mm. and they began to get extremely competitive. At yep. first, it probably started off almost being fun, yep. and yep. later on wasn't fun.
1: Mm. It became a real nightmare for yeah. them. They're know, not relying on each other. They're trying to compete against exactly.
0: each other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, that's not the way I work with Michael. But what what came out of that, if you stop and think about it, if I was writing songs during that period, I wrote lyrics as well. Yeah. So I had a lot of lyric ideas as well that I'd never used. And, you know, both in the early years and later on for the band, because out of respect, I knew Michael liked to write his lyric and he had to sing it on stage. And now I'm singing as a lead singer. I understand that idea very clearly that it's nice when you walk on stage to be singing about something you believe in. Yeah. You know, not necessarily singing someone else's song. You gonna have of,
1: conviction behind what you're, exactly, because
0: yeah. you're delivering the vocal with yeah. some—that's right—some passion and conviction. That's exactly right. And um, so I think I think that's good. And, and it, I was lucky too, where um, and it's something I, I think I'm going to focus more on the more I, as I continue to write is is nature too. I, I sort of I started off with that on the EP with Tears in the Rain is uh, talking about um, you know uh, environmental vandalism and all the rest of it Um, because I again because I live inland I don't fantasize about about it I live in it Mm. you know if you know what I mean I live out in the bush and I understand that nature has its own cycles Mm. like we may think we're sort of arrogant human beings that we think everything we're doing is affecting nature mm. nature is, is one is one how can I put this don't mess with mother yeah you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it's going to yeah. turn around and kick our ass yeah. before we know it and don't worry you won't have to do anything about no, it no it'll just come <laughs> and will go hello yeah you know and and whether you like it or not just like the drought proved just like you know other things you know that it's going to have its own cycle and um you know it's just the way it works and and so i think our frontiers and you know just like the awful bushfires that we had and all that as well you know they're they're throwing challenges at us um i don't know i I think pollution is a very bad thing for the earth um uh, i think geologists will tell us that there's always been climate change uh you know uh it's a subject I don't know a lot about
1: so I probably shouldn't talk about it really but I guess I guess with a lot of these things even if it's not the detail it's more of the just planting seeds of thought contemplation with people and so if you're up there performing a song yeah and that's the beauty of music you can you can be in a very you can perform in a very literal sense you can Mm. just spell out the song in, in a lyrical way yeah or you can start to To plant the seeds for people to think about different concepts and so if it's something about you know talking before about freedom and and sort of appreciating what we have and Mm. when we do get things back to really sort of embrace that and and take take advantage of whatever that next chapter is Um, but then also looking around and as i said before the environment as well sort of looking around going wow like you know at the moment we're we're sort of all wincing because it's just been like torrential rain for the past week and a half and parts of the state are flooded but, you know, a few years ago, we were begging for rain. That's right. You know, so it's, it's constantly just bringing people's awareness back and just looking at the world around us. So I think that probably makes a bit more sense when you're performing. It's that conviction again. Yeah. You, you want people to pay attention to what what's going on around you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, well, you got to. And, and again, it's, you know, a little bit like the conversation we were having earlier today where... The frontiers in the old days, especially pre-electricity, were—you summed up very well by saying your priority was to get to this destination, yep. do that thing. It's already physical. Mm. When you rode a horse, you were out in any weather condition. It That's could right, be snowing, raining. you mm. could be, you know, incredibly. It could be too hot. Yeah. You know, whatever it was, you know, too dusty. Uh, you know, but you had to deal with it. You had no choice. You know, there was no air conditioning. There was no electricity, and you just dealt with it or didn't. And, you know, and I think that we've become a sort of concrete society with air conditioning yeah. everywhere, and we're processing everything as if we're sort of saying, oh, we can control nature. But I'm not so sure about that.
1: No, in our little box, maybe, Yeah. for a very short period of time. But yeah. as you said before, you don't mess with mother. No. And mother <laughs> can change things very quickly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you may not like it. That's it. Yeah, um, and, and I think... They're, you know I, I, I hope and you know, I, I trust in mon- in many ways that that common sense in the end will prevail with people um, you know but I, I, I think musically um, I feel I got excited when I was recording my album the first song I recorded was Apache Pass yep yeah, with, and I, wrote, I co-wrote it with Frank Myers. He's a, like me, an old school, but a US country writer. And I loved working with Frank. And um, and that was when the first song I recorded, and I took it back into the cowboy <laughs> community of people that I was riding horses with. And they're, they're more interested in Americana and and cow, literally yeah, cowboy yeah. music and yeah. even country music. Yeah, you know? wow. Yeah, and I started playing <laughs> Apache Past and they're going, hey, man, we like this. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool, this is right up what we do, you know. And I went, oh, that's interesting. And then so as I began to recognise more and more and more, I focused on my lyrics, I was going, well, okay, um, you know, what is what is that gritty thing, the real, not 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 a Hollywood thing, what, what is the gritty reality of the idea of being a cowboy? And a lot of it, you know... Um, is summed up in the lyric of don't mama don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys yeah, you know yeah. there's this sort of dual, dual theme with a lot of cowboys where they they like smoky old pool rooms <laughs> but they like clear mountain mornings that's you it know? Yeah. there's this great duality in that lyric and that's exactly right where you know and i'm thinking look i'm not doing anything new but all i'm kind of reading rediscovering in a sense is if i can just excuse the expression, just put urban culture aside for a minute in the modern day, in the 21st century, now I understand the influences really clearly that were, that we're guiding people in different generation. I get it now, you know, and their, their idea of liberty and freedom of their... And I, I sort of... I, I follow it, too, because I live in the bush, you know, and I've been noticing something else of somewhere between amusing and, 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 and exciting is that, say, in Canada, with the Kelly Gang right now, yeah. they're, they're really curious, the media, what's, right? And I'm like, that's the last song on my album that I thought <laughs> would be of <laughs> any interest to them at all because they probably don't even know who the Kelly Gang yeah, is. Yeah. They just like the outlaw country yeah, well, aspect music. aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, that's interesting because... It's based on a true story. Yeah. And I that's one thing I do believe as a songwriter, especially lyrically, if you start singing the truth and you're saying things that really are real, there's more likelihood someone's gonna pick up on that. And don't ask yeah. me what that's all about. But if you try to fantasize and make up Stuff or whatever, mm. it doesn't have as much impact as taking something that's coming from the right place. I think know? people
1: naturally gra- gravitate towards truth. I yeah, think, that's and, right. And I think we've we've got whatever it is, a uh, uh, sixth sense or whatever it is to be able to pick up the bullshit in whatever you do. Or not even I mean, also always the bullshit, but sometimes like the abstract. Like the abstract can be really fantastic, and it's a, it can be an amazing tool to sort of look at things from another angle and use your creative mind. But I think sometimes people just want not the black and white but they just want to be able to understand what's the reality and so through storytelling and i think when people can see the truth and then in addition to that relate to it because mm. i think that's a good thing about sort of a lot of the songs that you've written is that you're bringing the old to the new and as you said earlier we we can learn from the past past the history repeats itself all the time and so when we think that we're lost and we've got no idea what the future's going to bring, we just need to look behind us and sort of get a little bit of a map to go, OK, well, at least we know what the next steps potentially could be. Yeah. Because, yes, technology changes and um, the world's different, but the fundamentals are exactly the same. So I think you're sort of bringing the old to the new and um, and I think just giving people reassurance. And I think through that truth, through that, through that fact of, of just what life is really like, despite the, the technology yeah. or the or the urban living or urban story or whatever that might be yeah well, well that's right um, my interpretation anyway
0: yeah no that's, that's <laughs> very true uh, but sometimes repetition um, well that's always been you know a hit maker mm. as for songwriters it's yeah of course you pick themes and things and repetition is a good way to grab a listener's ear especially on the short time you've got on radio if you get on there at all ever. but it, you get those or you know, you get to share your music. Um, whether it's music or a lyric idea or something. But the first time I fully understood repetition was when I was checking into a hotel in Copenhagen and there were these two girls that came up with backpacks and they said, Would you like to see the Dalai Lama? And I thought that was sort of joking at first and I was like sure um, you know <laughs> where is he you know like Why well, is he in room 101 is he or you know and they're like no no he's in the auditorium it's, it's adjoining the, the hotel yeah. and I was like well don't you want to see him and they're like no no we can't we've got another you know appointment or something we've got to go to and I was like well, which is so strange I was like sure so I just took this ticket and I wanted it into the auditorium instead of going to my hotel room yeah. and I sat down and it was beautiful and it had six different languages that you right. could listen to you Okay, know, you yep. know? Um, and very European yeah. you know? and then the Dalai Lama comes out and he was sitting on top of this big box with these other Buddhist monks on the, on the stage and I uh, very stupidly uh, they started he started talking about parameters you okay. see yeah. right and I thought, I don't even know what a parameter is. Is that a measurement or something? All mm-hmm. right. And then I realised he meant parameter. Right? This is <laughs> a simple language thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he repeated, he repeated the same thing six times. The same message. Yeah. But quite a long message, but mm-hmm. repeated it six times. And I took, I looked around me in the room, and a lot of people were almost in a hypnotic state because of the repetition of yep. the six parameters. Yeah. Parameters, you know? <laughs> and um, and that goes to show you, you know that. And he's he's you know he well he's he is what he is. He's the Dalai Lama. But you know, to me it was really interesting because I walked out of that room and I wasn't asleep, and I'd been hypnotized once before, and I had the feeling when I left that I thought that's really interesting because he's playing on positive positive mind reinforcement, you yeah. know. And I think if we. I'm not saying I'm a Buddhist. I'm just saying that you know, in fact, I have a, a, quite a different philosophical belief. But um, but I think Buddhism is a wonderful thing, mm. and I think that um, I think if we go into the, the, you know this rest of this century and the next millennium with caring about each other, we'll be okay. yeah. yeah. And I think we'll have a the good basics. time. You know, and we look out for mother. You know, we'll all be okay. Yeah, respect you know? mother. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll all be okay. You know. That
1: repetition thing's interesting though, because I guess it's like you know crafting a melody in a song. You know, obviously you've got a chorus and things like traditional sort of structure of a song. Mm. But the melody is so important, and like even when I listen to like I don't know Run Baby Run or something like that, and I mean tell, tell you what, like talk about an earwig, like you can't get that out of your head, and it's it's great, it's a really good song. But there's things that you hear in a melody which there's, I think just, and this is more the science behind it, and I'm certainly not a theory guy at all, so I'll be, any of my muso mates listening now will be going, oh, Andy, come on, but there's certain structures in a melody where it's, it's a comfortable sort of transition from note to note. I know what you mean. And so you know, you're almost predicting where that note's going to go, yeah. and when, when it meets, it's a level of comfort, and you get this little dopamine hit, and you go, oh, like, I, I nailed it, like, and you're not sort of, yeah. like... The, from a well, songwriting point, you're,
0: Not... you're a musician, and it sounds like a writer as well. Yeah. And all of us have the same problem. Yeah. Like okay, I do the same thing when I hear another artist or any kind of musical piece. If I'm even doing it now, as we're well, listening yeah, to the song yeah. in the background. <laughs> The first thing I do, you probably do the same thing, you just kind of admitted you did, is you deconstruct it, right? You work out how it was put together in the first place. You you reverse engineer the thing. And that's what I do a lot when I'm listening to music of any genre, including country music. Mm. And I work out how, okay, is that how they did that, right? And I I try to sort of work it out. And and someone else said to me on an interview, I don't know when it was, somewhere late or uh, mid-last year, are you into engineering? they didn't mean audio engineering. Just I said, engineering. no, that's yeah, okay. really interesting. Why do you say that? And they said, oh, I don't know. Because you're into, you know, you write and you, and you like construction. I said, that's exactly right. Um, I actually am curious. I know, I, I'm fascinated with how bridges are constructed yep. and the construction of things because it helps you understand. Lots of things in life when you understand how things are constructed because then, it, you know, it, it leads somewhere later on, whether it's just trying to fix, a, you know, why your door doesn't close properly or, you yeah, know, all yeah. those stupid little things that affect you, you know, um, or even how, you know, food, you know, you know food is life. In the era we live in now, um, um, you know, people, a lot of young people think food comes from a supermarket. They don't understand the pain and effort some people have to go to to put that food into the supermarket in the first place.
1: I think um, having the appreciation of the the mechanics behind it, so sort of like lifting the hood, so to speak, Mm. but I think it also helps you sort of build skills to be able to apply somewhere else where you do take your time with something and you do start to craft your own skill, whatever that might be. So for me, like music, like yeah, I listen to a song and I will sort of reverse engineer it and I'll be listening to it. But sometimes it's very subconscious and then I look at other people who enjoy a melody and they don't know. They're just they're just liking what they hear. But there's obviously something in there that's familiar to them and I think it gives them a level of comfort, comfort. And that's what I hear sort of in, in a lot of pieces in your album, different songs, where instead of being clever in a complicated way where you're sort of surprising people with a with a tale of a melody, you're sort of in some cases going into that familiar territory where people feel really good. And that's that repetition, it's that familiarity, and people sure. go, oh, I really like that song, and then they're starting to hum it afterwards because they've, not so much that they've heard it before, but it's just this natural hmm. transition between notes. Well, well, yeah. No, it's I, a bit of pop I, music I, in a way. Yeah, a I sense.
0: appreciate that. And also I, I was very, very conscious that as I was wandering around the country and Western world hmm. of music that I wanted to not take that lightly. I, like I don't take that lightly at all. I really appreciate that the, uh, the country music... Uh, community, both here in Australia and and in the United States and in Canada, so far i have really been accepting well what I've been doing because they could have gone the other way. Yeah, they could say, "Oh, this is you know what are you what are you, what are you doing, Farris, You know, like, but they didn't, and so I feel uh, you know I want to say thank you to all those people who have embraced my music. But Run Baby Run was interesting because I think I think <laughs> when I got in the room and I'd worked and uh, working writing songs with Bruce Wallace and Phil Barton before.
1: Hmm.
0: And I like working with those guys, brilliant, brilliant writers in their own right. But when I got in the room with them, I said, I want to have a song that goes, you know, Run Baby Run and Movers and Shakers. And so we tried to work out how to to have this running, theme running in the song. Um, but I like the For the Lost and Disillusioned part of it because I feel like that's what we're coming out of now is yep. we've all been pretty lost and disillusioned. With what our world's been for most people, most people have been worried about, and rightly so, about their health and their families and their jobs. They haven't been worried about Andrew Farris' album. It's not particularly important in <laughs> the priority of things in their life, yeah. you know? And so, to me, when you know, when I was writing for, for my album, I was very conscious of, of you know, say, because, you know, say, and I, I think with Run Baby Run, the part that the three of us were really happy about as writers. Is not only did I get my "Run, Baby, Run" in the moves and shakers thing into this song, but I said to them, "I want to have a second chorus, okay? So just when you think you've figured out this song, it actually goes into a completely different chorus. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and so there's an A and a B chorus that's running in the song, and that's that's something I learned from the NXS days too of writing, where you know, I don't like um, to to you know, to, I don't like just a simple. A B C formula. Mm. I like sometimes to really mess it up by having having an A B and a B
1: and a half formula,
0: yeah. you know, where you're yeah. like, "What was that?" You know, <laughs> and it actually goes somewhere
1: completely not where you think it's going to go. You know, and if anything, that probably helps <laughs> yeah. it stay in people's minds more. Like it probably solidifies it in people's mm. memories as far as a catchy song. Because I think if if it's too familiar to a lot of other song structures, then it's easier to to lose it. Yeah, but if it, if there's something in there that grabs you and you go oh geez I, d- I didn't expect that then there's a better chance that's, that's not going to leave your mind. So um, yeah, I mean that's certainly Good. certainly from my end. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I think to I think from the um, uh, from the instrumentation choices, I tried really hard on my album recordings to not go down the rabbit hole of relying on technologies and loops and things which i've worked with a lot before yeah both as a songwriter and as a producer for many years i've worked with these digital technologies you know in their infancy and in their sophistication in the way we're speaking right now in the 21st century but to me i didn't want to go down the rabbit hole of relying on technology i tried to if i'd had a loop or something i got a real drummer yeah to 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 interpret what i was trying Mm. to do Mm. And I, and I didn't, I didn't overproduce it. I just, I let him run with the feel, and I just left it. Yeah. And a lot of the takes on my album, I did that deliberately. I mean, my Cajun Girl, which is one of the last songs I wrote for my album, that is the first and only take we did. Wow. I know. And even I remember when we finished in the studio. I think it was Troy. Uh, Troy Lancaster, guitar player, goes, and one because one of the guys goes. Hey, uh, um, what was the expression they used? Um, uh, Let's go around again. And Troy goes, no. <laughs> he goes, we got it. I'm telling you. He was really don't passionate. Don't mess with it. And we mess all started it, yeah. laughing. You know, he goes, no, 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 don't mess with that, okay? Whatever it was we just did was great. That's it. You know? And I think, it, I think he was right. I think we got it right. We just nailed it. Um, and, and that's where the exciting part of my album for me was, was I thought... I think we're onto something pretty good here, where where it's very old school, almost like nineteen fifties recording. You know, mm-hmm. you get your song right, you figure it out what you want to do,
1: then you take it in the studio and just track it quick, yep. Yep. real don't, fast. Don't you know? polish it up too much in the st- no, studio. Yeah, no, I don't do that. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah, And so most of the, you know, most of the time I spent actually was on on my vocals, yep. on recording, to making sure that I had I had the right the right vocal takes that you know. Um, And to make sure that you know during the mixing of it and stuff, uh, that I was staying true to, to 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 the idea of my record, and try to keep a sense of urgency to the recordings where you know. Because I worked very differently in the past, where I'd layer tracks, where people, preview, you know, or I'd, or I'd, or I'd work for off loops and I'd come up with funky riffs and things. And, but I didn't work that way with this recording process at all. I sort of worked really differently.
1: Well, I guess it, it comes down to the, the right tool for the job. Mm. And obviously it wouldn't have made sense to do what you did in the past with this album. And I think also the thing that you said before about truth you know this is another layer of truth to the album like it's not using samples and loops and things like that you, it's you've got the true instrument the true player putting their true performance down yeah and getting the best out of them in that moment and so i think that naturally gravitates people towards that because there's that organic realness to to the song where they can i think we spoke about this last time where i think there's an appreciation for human imperfection yeah at times as well so yeah. something that you get used to and you really enjoy could have actually been at 95 percent in the studio but it was good and it just worked instead of being a carbon copy robotic cut and paste sort of job where you're looping over and over again it's very fabricated and is 100 percent perfect you've got this this little imperfection in places whether it be the tone or or the you know drumming you know the the weight of the the sticks on, on on the skins and things like that which adds that layer of truth to it yeah so well, I think that's what people like.
0: Well, yeah I don't I mean I don't know what you find but when I go out and I play my music and songs live
1: mm.
0: the interesting thing is if you make a recording and especially if it becomes very famous as a recording, you spend the rest of your life trying to to replicate something that only happened once yeah yeah. Which that in itself is quite strange, but people never flag that, where they go, hang on a minute, what are you saying? It's like, well, you stop to think about it, you spend the rest of your life trying to sound as good as the thing you did in the first place, but really, if you'd never recorded it, no one would have known it sounded like that anyway. Yeah, that's right. So if everything was always just live performance, like it probably would have been in pre-electricity, yeah. You know, you would have you would have you would have had um, people who were educated would have had music notation but there was no such thing as a recording. That's it. So every time it was performed it was performed slightly differently. That's so right. it was there was no recording. Yeah. And that's really in that sense, I'd never thought of this before. That's almost the beginning of digital technology, isn't it? When 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 you had the beginning of concreting
1: of mm. music into that's the way it has to be, baby. Yeah. It's like well why is that? You know like, Well then it gets and then <laughs> it gets to a point where you know these songs that become really popular and the artist is so precious about not messing with that mm. that the live performance becomes a fabrication in itself. Yeah, right. So then you've got a, a lot of additional layers and things that are supporting the song to fill in the gaps of what was in the studio um, and you don't get the uniqueness of the performance. And so some artists do a really good job in, in the other uh, realm where they, they continuously reinterpret their songs. Every time yeah. they get up and live and they, they might change the arrangement a little bit or might sing in a different key or whatever it might be. And for them, no doubt it'd be totally enriching to be able to do that. But then for your average radio listening, you know, casual music lover, they want to hear the song exactly like it sounds on the, on the LP or on the radio or whatever it is. And so you're at this, this war of worlds between, you know, doing the right thing creatively and for your soul versus the business aspect and, and the consumer as well.
0: Right. Well, that's where for a lot of modern uh, musicians and both for, for economic reasons mm. so they can make yep. a living and pay the rent. That's right. It makes sense to push a button on a mm. laptop and yep. have tracks come out mm. and they just send it out the front of house and the PA because it takes all the, the mystery out of it and it's going to sound as good as it possibly can, right? Yeah. Yep. But... The old school idea was you have to get musicians that are, are are talented enough to recreate something, you know. That is a challenge in itself. But I've really been in. Maybe I'm. I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old. But I've been really enjoying <laughs> going back in time recently and working with old school instruments too. Like with Run Baby Run. You know, I was listening to the track and I thought, you know, yeah, yeah, it's okay, but it needs something special. And I thought of an old school instrument like mm. a flute. Yep. You know, and then I thought. I, i haven't heard that instrument for a while but it works perfectly i don't ask me why but to me i think it works perfectly yeah. on that song makes no sense at all right yeah. suddenly this Flautus comes in yeah you know it could be will ferrell or something You know, <laughs> like you know and it's like well why did he put that in there you know and i think it's because we're not used to hearing certain instruments anymore are we that's right yeah we're losing touch with you know, it's either, like you say, it's either a sample or a loop or yeah. something or, or it's having some computer mess around with it or auto-tune or something and you don't even know what you're listening to anymore. It's this weird sort of cyber world, you know?
1: And I think it's also a risk factor as well. Like people, once they get a formula that works and it's reliable, that they don't want to mess with that. So they don't want to take risks to try and branch out and try things. Yeah. So they, they sit in the comfort zone because, you know, as you said before, for economic reasons, it, it works. They know it brings in brings in the money. And so they'll keep going and so i think then you have those risk takers who are looking for you know the flute or another instrument and go let's just give this a go and see see what happens and sometimes like it'd be trial and error sometimes it just doesn't work and sometimes it just works and you can't you can't put your finger on it until you give it a go
0: yeah that's right yeah yeah no i look you know i i'll be surprised if jazz flute becomes the big thing uh soon but i I do you know like i'm a fan of the old school instruments and i I hope that future generations continue to have a passion for these older school instruments because I think they they are, at the same time, they're emotional instruments, you know? Yep. Uh, an electronic instrument is good at replicating a sound and giving you an instant gratification, you know, at pushing buttons, but there's something about playing old school instruments that is quite emotional I remember there was a time when I was younger and I played the piano and I used to be it sounds like a bit of an odd thing to say I, I, I would sometimes not want to play the piano because I, did, I just felt I just felt it would make me feel uncomfortable or unhappy because <laughs> okay. yeah. I felt perhaps I'm not in a good mood you know Right. and so if I started playing something somber I'd say well I don't want to play the piano see what I mean yeah. that's not going to help you know um, and other times I just feel, hey, great, I'm in a fantastic mood today. I'll get in and I'll bounce around on something. There's one piece of music uh, I've kind of um, been working on for some time, and one of my daughters said it to me the other day. said, hey, Dad, what's like that old Ray Charles thing you keep playing? I said, I don't know, it's been running around my head for a long time. And that's one I've got to go on nail as well. I've got like a thing that, that kind of bounces between blues and a bit of jazz. But Ray Charles himself got into country music. A lot of people have forgotten that that one of the biggest highlights in his career was country music yeah, yeah. You know, so and you don't, you know i remember too that you know watching an interview with bob dylan he said he started off playing country music because that was the music he grew up that was on the radio in duluth and where he grew up in that area and um you know but there's always bring this cross-pollination in the old school musics between even classical but folk music uh, country music blues uh, zydeco um, you know country music it's all kind of it's flowing in and out of each other in places um, and I think it's not surprising to me that country music genre someone explained it the other day is where before it had quite limited parameters mm. and there was this sort of exclusive club of people is getting quite wide now because there's a few refugees coming in from other music, you know, genres that want to play live instruments and want to play with other people and aren't just, you know, don't just want to push buttons.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of fusion happening from yeah. what they're bringing where they've come yeah, from because, right. you know, there's there's a yeah, there's their 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 own instincts coming into the music and so you know, they're playing something with their feel going through that instrument or through their voice or whatever it might be. So the genre evolves and actually on that note, um, so Travis, who plays in your band, yeah, I had a, I had him on the podcast a few years ago, and he was schooling me about country music because you know I'm, I'm a hard rock heavy metal guy, so right, you know okay. it's the stereotypical country music I'd be like, oh no, I can't I can't handle yeah, it, right? And he was telling me about how many different subgenres and we like really weird fused fused sort of genres of country country music there is, and I was absolutely fascinated, and it was probably and I'll give credit to Travis because I think he really opened up my eyes to not only how multi-dimensional country is um but also just the level of musicianship and talent and professionalism that is in this and i'm i am definitely oversimplifying it but in this overarching genre of music where there's a true passion for performing and storytelling and playing where i don't you get elements of that in other genres of music but i think in country and all its millions of different subgenres, there's this, this storytelling and this performing, and out of that, that's that truth again. It's that it's that organic aspect, and it just comes out. And you get the, I mean, you get the cream of the crop, don't you? I mean, I, you know, watching going back to the the uh, EP recording that you did. Um, that you, you filmed. I mean, watching the musicians play and yourself just going, "Wow!" Like, you know, talk about raising the bar with with you know the level Anything. of talent. And while I'm on a roll here, um, so I'm coming to see you tomorrow night oh, for the for the album launch. Cool. And so I'm, I'm I won't heckle Travis or yourself, but I'll yeah, I'll, I'll well, be that... sitting back with my mouth <laughs> mouth drop just watching the musicians. Throw some shit at me, I might get upset. But <laughs> apart from that, I'll be alright. think yeah, all right. yeah. <laughs> But um, I'm looking forward to that. And so probably a good way to sort of tie this up is going back to the tour. Yeah. So the tour is in April and May. Yes. Um, and April
0: 9th it kicks off in Queanbeyan
1: There you go. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think it ends in Perth or in WA? Uh, at the Gov in South Australia. There you go. Yeah. So I'll put the I'll put all the dates on, on the website Thanks, so people please. can check it out and all yeah. the ticket links. Cool. Um, but what obviously there's the new album, the new LP, and, yeah. and you did the EP last year, but I guess what what can people expect if they're going to come to a show? Okay. Well, that's
0: the whole thing. If you go and check out that YouTube performance mm. uh, on my YouTube channel, you'll find the link. Well, I think it's on my Facebook or something. Where you go there, and you'll be able to see that the uh, EP, sorry, yes. s- live uh, session recording that we did. Um, a lot of uh, that the show will be along those lines, but also. Um, uh, the LP set, which is in post-production right now, with the filming part of it with those, those, those uh, video guru guys, mm. <laughs> um, they're putting that together right now. Excellent. Uh, we've basically finished the audio a while ago, so um, yeah, it's you know just a matter of uh, putting it out, but it'll come out soon too at some point.
1: So off we go. There we go. Well, I'll put the, I'll put the videos in as well, so people can cool. uh, check them out and hopefully come to a show and pick up the new uh, album. I mean. It was funny before catching up with you today i thought i would go listen to the, the the chat we did last year and it was just interesting listening to us talk and just not either of us neither of us knowing what what the future was about to throw on us and uh, yeah and and i think chatting today sort of seeing how it has worked out and um congratulations and Thanks, I, hey? hope, I hope yeah. the new album just does everything you need it to do and yeah good and um it sounds sounds like you've got a hell of a lot of songs that are still sitting around,
0: yeah, I've got, lost got and need a to be
1: need to be fixed up and, and uh, attended yeah. to. So, look forward mm. to what comes next as well.
0: Yeah, good on you, Andy. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow.
1: Hey, thank you, Mr. Farris, for another great chat with your mate, Andy. <laughs> amazing stuff um as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode this chat was just total pub vibe it was so cool so surreal for me to be sitting across from one of the most prolific songwriters of all time and you know what like just such a humble nice guy just such a gentleman so generous with his time and just so easy to talk talk to and it makes it so much better when it's the second time around as well like we caught up last year for episode 200 and just catching up again, it was just, it was really like just mates catching up in a pub. And yes, you would have heard, um, there was a bunch of local wildlife that we were trying to dodge to keep the podcast moving. We we're like, come on, we've got to try and get this podcast done. Um, and I think in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have recorded in, in a pub, but we, we've had some horrible weather in New South Wales and we really were limited, uh, with regards to where we could record. So It was the best option that we had, and we kind of thought getting in there early during the day, um, we would uh, avoid uh, the locals, but the locals had other plans, and they got in there nice and early. So I think just one thing to keep in mind is that if you've always loved going to a pub, going to the beer garden or wherever in the pub and sitting down with mates, having a drink and shooting the shit and just uh, enjoying the atmosphere, I hope that you got that vibe from this chat as well, because I certainly loved sitting there. It was so casual. It was a lot of fun and just great to chat with the man himself. So there you go. Now go to andrewfarris.com, go and check out the debut self-titled album, which is out right now. It's available uh, across all the streaming platforms and through all good music retailers. So there's uh, physical versions of the album, I'm pretty sure CDs and possibly vinyl as well. Um, Yes, definitely vinyl. Um, And Andrew and band are hitting the road from uh, the 9th of April, starting in Queanbeyan. And uh, rolling through blind Newcastle, Manly, Paddington, Cronulla, Thornbury, Sunshine Coast, Logan Home, Mudrabar? i am pretty sure I'm pronouncing that wrong—Fremantle, North Perth, and Adelaide. So throughout April and May, go and check out Andrew and Band. I actually got to see his private album la- album launch in Sydney the other night, and uh, I'll tell you firsthand, man, like talk about seasoned. Pros. I mean, if you want to get schooled on how to just perform and just play music in general, go to one of these shows. Amazing stuff. Uh, Travis New is on guitar. So Travis has been on the podcast previously as well. Um, My Sex fame, uh, Steve Balby fame, and uh, just um, an amazing guitarist in his own right, amazing musician. So he's part of uh, Andrew's amazing band of seasoned pros. So definitely go out and check that all out. Tour dates and links will be over at andrewfarris.com. and of course I'll have everything in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydaling.net and wherever the hell you listen to this podcast through right now. Now before we wrap it up, Patreon, patreon.com/andydaling. My goal for this year is to get as many $1 supporters as possible. If you want a a, a little feel good moment, a little warm and fuzzy feeling, um that's the best way to support me and the podcast. Just uh pledge a dollar a month to towards the podcast and it's a massive massive help. It's uh it's the ultimate motivator, uh, for me, uh, to continue just, uh, churning out these great chats with amazing people like Andrew Farris. Um, but also, uh, you know, when a lot of you join and a lot of you have been joining, um, it takes a lot of the financial, uh, pressure off of running a podcast there's all these costs that you don't really think about um production editing uh gear replenishment uh, getting around town um yeah hosting i think i said hosting already but um, there's so many different things that just add up uh, throughout the year and just to have the patreon community backing me financially investing in the podcast is incredible so thank you so much go to patreon.com slash andy as i said support starts from only a buck a month it is dirt cheap just nothing you won't even notice it but if you want additional uh if you want access to additional things such as the weekly patreon podcast episode that comes out every tuesday or um, a bunch of free merch and other free offerings then there are additional tiers there to support uh, the podcast and myself so go and check it all out over at patreon.com slash andy well i think that's about it folks um i cannot even recall who's going to be on the next episode so i'll leave you all hanging so there you go thank you so much go to andrewfarris.com go and support him and the new release and until next episode take care and ta-ta Larry. Larry, please.